And to Jesus be the glory today and the honor and the praise. And thank you for joining me today as I continue my teaching today on the gifts of the Spirit. And I pray the Lord will bless you richly. And thank you for being my family. And I pray you've had a most wonderful Christmas and you will have a glorious, glorious new year. I know it. I just know it. God Almighty is going to bless you. You're going to have the best January you've ever had in your life. You're going to have the best ever, ever had. And don't forget, this Friday, our very special New Year's Eve service. Please join me. It's going to be beautiful. Let's begin the year right. We're going to have communion right there on midnight. Right? Exactly when we enter the new year. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for what you're going to show us. May your name be gloriously praised to the Lord. And Lord, I pray today that you will reveal your word in such a powerful way to your people. As we look at your word to learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy and and faith and healings and miracles. Thank you for what you showed us yesterday, Lord. Now show us more today. In your holy name, I give you all the praise. Amen. Amen. Let's continue from where we left off on Monday. And we looked at the Revelation gifts already. Today I want to talk about the vocal gifts and maybe even a little more of the power gifts. But let's just begin. Let's look at the gift of tongues. Now remember what we looked at already. We saw the word of wisdom the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And I had you divide them in three different sections. Revelation gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, vocal gifts, tongues, interpretations, prophecy, which we'll talk about now. And then you have the third group, power gifts, faith, healings, and miracles. So when you look at tongues, we have to understand there are three types of tongues. Uh, number one is Acts 2. Let's actually look at it quickly. And let's notice something about that, that I know we have, but it's also good to just realize that we see the connection with what I'm about to read in Corinthians. So in Acts 2 verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation and under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Why? Because every man heard them speak in their own language. So here we see the first tongue. The first tongue is a tongue of a nation that is understood. So when we go to 1 Corinthians and we look at verse 14 and we look at verse 22, what do we see? We see the first tongue again. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. Very interesting. This is the same tongue we just saw in Acts 2, verse 4, 5, and 6. In other words, it was a sign to the unbeliever. And that's why we see later in the book of Acts, 3,000 people saved. Because when they heard them, when they heard the apostles speaking in their own languages from different parts of that part of the world, they were amazed. So here it's a sign to them that believe not. So this is the first tongue. We don't see that often in our day, but I believe we will see it more and more before the coming of the Lord, where people will speak languages that are understood by nations. Let's look at the second tongue. The second tongue is 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 2, which says what? For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto man, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. 
Well, we saw very clearly in Acts 2, they did understand them. So that is a different tongue. Here we see a second one. It says, No man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. So here we see this tongue as a prayer language. As a prayer language. Notice that the first one, they heard them praising the Lord. Praising the Lord. Here it's a prayer. So when it is a prayer language, it's called mysteries in the spirit. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. So that's the second tongue. The third tongue is mentioned in 1 Corinthians, same chapter, and verse 26 <clears throat> through 28. And what does it say? How is it then, brethren, when ye come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. Verse 27. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course let one interpret. If there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. So here we see that the third tongue is equal <clears throat> to prophecy because it has to be interpreted. This is for public ministry. So you have one that is a witness to the unbeliever. You have two ministers unto God. You have three for ministry to the believer. Ministering to the believer because of the interpretation. Now, I'm going to take you back to the book of Acts and show you something that is very amazing to me. Okay? So, if we go back to verse 4, they were filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues. Notice the difference. Here in Acts 2, they're called other tongues. In Acts 14, unknown tongues. Unknown tongues. Here, we see it's a known tongue, other tongues. But then later, what do we see in 1 Corinthians? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 14. <coughs> and we're going to look again, <coughs> excuse me, at what the Bible says. So this will help us understand a little more. Okay? Notice verse 22 of 1 Corinthians 14. It does not call them unknown. Here in this verse, this tongue is not call, called unknown tongues. It says, wherefore tongues, tongues, not unknown tongues, tongues are for a sign. But if you go down to verse 26, how is it then? It says, when you come together, okay? Now look at verse 17, unknown tongues. So the unknown tongues are mysteries unto God. The unknown tongues are for ministry to the church. While Acts 2, verse 4 through 6, and Acts 14, verse 22, it doesn't say unknown tongues, meaning it's known tongues. They are assigned to the unbeliever. Known tongues, assigned to the unbeliever. Unknown tongues, mysteries unto God, ministry to the church. Quite simple. So these are the three kinds of tongues. And I'm really praying you're really getting all this because it's so important to grasp it. There's a lot of questions and in some places confusion about the gift or gifts of tongues. Now, let's talk about something else. Let's go back and look at 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2 again. Okay, so it says what? He that speaketh in an unknown tongue, again unknown, speaketh not unto man, but unto God. Notice that both places it calls it unknown tongues. In this verse and the one I just showed you earlier. So, when they're ministering to the church. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. 
here's what it says. It says that this unknown tongue, unknown meaning that the devil don't know it either. Unknown tongues confuse the enemy. Unknown tongues break yokes of bondage. You say, well, why do you say that? Well, because if the enemy doesn't know what people are praying, it's a weapon against him, isn't it? And why are they unknown tongues? Because they're unknown to the spirit world. They're unknown to the spirit world mainly, mainly. Because, you know, tongues, for example, that we see in Acts 2, known to the nations, known as a sign to the unbeliever, those don't really confuse the enemy. They, they don't uh, damage the enemy, as we see with unknown tongues. You see why they don't? Well, because they're building the, they're building the kingdom. That, of course, damages the enemy, of course. But when you bring confusion to Satan's kingdom, you're bringing people out of bondage. You are literally releasing people out of bondage. And the Bible in, in Isaiah talks about tongues are for refreshing and freedom. So, one more thing that I believe, and I told you this already, I believe that the gift of tongues is the, is the key that triggers the engines, the gifts of the Spirit. Remember what I said, if I had not said that to you, I'm going to say it again. When you talk about uh, the gifts, the gifts are the engine. The word is the fuel, because we have to have the word in us for the gifts to operate. So think about the gifts are the engine, God's word the fuel, but tongues is the key that turns the engine on. It's like getting in your car, you know, putting the key into the ignition and igniting. And so when you, it's the ignition basically. Tongues is the ignition to the engine, and the fuel is God's word. So it's very interesting and very powerful, I think, to understand that this amazing gift is the one that triggers all other gifts. It triggers word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, and all that. It also triggers the interpretation of tongues. And the interpretation of tongues, which is the next gift, of course, we see in verse 13 of chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 14. It says, Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue, pray that he may interpret. Pray that he may interpret. And I think it would be good for you to go back and notice what it says, tongues or unknown tongues. Then you see the difference. And here again, unknown tongues. There are the mysteries unto God, and the one that has to be, has to be interpreted so the church benefits. So the, the gift of interpretation <coughs> comes through prayer. Through prayer. It's, and, and, and I believe prayer in tongues and in our own language. So we ask God for the gift. We ask God for the gift of interpretation. But I believe praying in tongues also, the unknown tongue, releases, ignites that gift. And then we ask for in English, Lord, give give me that, the ability to interpret the tongue. Oral Roberts, <clears throat> if he had a, if he ever had, you love this, Chad. Uh, if Oral ever had a question that he wanted an answer from the Lord on. He would pray in tongues, and then he would wait for the interpretation to come to him on his own, on his own. He would pray in tongues, and then he would wait, and within minutes, he would get the interpretation for the answer he needed. Isn't that amazing? A few days ago, I was talking to Pastor Chris, about something I needed to know. And the first thing he said, pray in tongues and God give you, and I know it already, but it was interesting. He, he also has the same experience. 
So I've known people like Oral, like Pastor Chris and others, that when they did not have an answer from God about a certain something, they would pray in tongues, and then God would give them the interpretation. And it's time for us to pray in tongues more and more and more. Like Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. I showed you that a few days ago, where he had all the gifts. He said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. So he prayed more in tongues than he prayed in his own language. So it's very important to understand that prayer brings interpretation. So we can say, Lord, show me. Give me the interpretation. And then we pray in tongues, or the other way around. We pray in tongues, then we ask for for the interpretation. But God will always give us that interpretation, even from our own lips, for our own selves. So it's not just about public speaking and public ministry. That gift can be used. I think people have missed a lot from heaven by not realizing. That gift can be used in giving you the answer you're looking for, for something. Pray in tongues, ask God to give you the interpretation he will. Hallelujah. I have found, it's amazing, in prayer, uh, many times when I pray in tongues, I'll repeat it in English and not realizing, and one day just dawned on me, I'm interpreting what I just prayed. I mean, I begin to interpret it because the the anointing was flowing. This happened years ago. And now when it happens, I, I recognize it right away. Lord, give it to your, come on, lift, lift your hands, receive it. Lord, give it to each one. Give it to each one that they'll have that interpretation in the name of Jesus. That some of them who are looking for answers today, Lord, will receive it through the interpretation of tongues in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. And, you know, only those who pray in tongues can have that gift of interpretation. And the Bible says it's equal to prophecy. That's 1 Corinthians 14. A lot in that chapter about that, of course. Verse 3, 4, 5. But he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifies himself. He that prophesies edifies the church. I would that you all speak with tongues, but rather that you prophesied, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. So, how beautiful. It is equal to prophecy. Now, let's talk about prophecy. Well, prophecy has four different realms. And we're talking about the gifts of prophecy. But there are four realms to the prophetic. Realm number one, and I'm not teaching on this today. I'm just giving giving it to you right now. Realm number one, we have the prophecy of Scripture, meaning the Bible. Because the Bible is prophecy. And it's the only realm with no human mixture in it. It's pure the Lord, purely from the Lord. Number two. Number two, the spirit of prophecy. The spirit of prophecy is mentioned in Revelation and is mentioned in First Samuel 19. When Saul was looking for David, he came to a place called Naot. And as he came near where Samuel was with the prophets that were with him in the school of prophets, and there David was with them, and they were prophesying, Saul came under the influence, the atmosphere of the prophetic. So the spirit of prophecy is the atmosphere of the prophetic, which people can come under if they come close enough to to that anointing, they begin to prophesy themselves. Number three, number three, you have the office of a prophet. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, so on. And then number four, the gift of prophecy. So we're talking today about the gift. I'm not talking about anything else. So the gift of prophecy, it says, He that prophesieth, verse 3, 1 Corinthians 14. He that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, comfort. These are the borders, the borders of prophecy. All realms of the prophetic 
have a border called redemption. Anything outside redemption is not God, okay? So it has to do with our redemption, whether it's the scriptures, whether it's the spirit of prophecy, whether it's the office of of a prophet, it cannot go outside redemption. The word of God is within redemption. It's about redemption, that's all. So every realm of prophecy needs to stay like the word of God is within redemption. When they go outside redemption, and they begin saying things that are not biblical, dismiss it. Totally dismiss it. But, when it comes to the gift of prophecy, people sadly have gone outside redemption, not realizing it. But it still has to be within redemption, because all the realms must be within redemption. But the gift itself has another border. And the border is, does it build you? Does it stir you? Does it give you peace? Because it says for edification. Edification means to build you. It's for exhortation. Stir you. It's for comfort. Giving you peace. So if there is no building up, stirring up, peace, dismiss it. So if somebody comes and says, thus says the Lord, and they give you a negative report, break it. You have to break it, not just to dismiss it. You have to break it there and then. No weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that will arise against you in judgment, you condemn. You have to condemn it, because if you don't, it'll it'll, it'll happen, because there's power in words, you know, life and death. So you have to say, I won't accept it. I won't receive it. There, to the individual who gives it to you. So don't wait to do it in prayer. Give it right there and then. When someone says, I have a word, and they give you the word, and you don't feel peace, you say, I rebuke it, and I break this word in Jesus' name, and I reject it. You have to do it, otherwise it'll come on you. So very, very important. So the gift of prophecy, the Bible says we are to actually seek these gifts, desire them. Uh, chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. So prophecy, the gift of prophecy, is very important for the building up of the church, the stirring up of the church, the peace of the church. And when we say stirring up, mean they become bold, you know? They, they become bold. So, um, and it is always, if you look at Acts 2, let's go to Acts 2, and let's look at verse 17. It says, It shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old man shall dream dreams. Notice that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit produces the gift of of prophecy. So beautiful, wow. So the prophetic comes as as a result of the infilling. Now, here is something that you really are going to love. Because I've seen that in my own life. Many, many times. In Acts 13, and I'm going to read verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord, not for the Lord, to the Lord. As they ministered to the Lord, meaning with worship. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul, for the work were Unto I have called them. So here we see the prophetic released. Because the Holy Ghost said, or he said it through someone. The Holy Ghost said, separate me. The prophetic was given. Barnabas and Saul for the work, I've called them. So here we see the prophetic, the gift of prophecy, is released in a powerful way when we minister 
to the Lord. You know, um, back in the back in the seventies, in the catacombs, it was high worship, high worship, and the prophetic flows beautifully in high places. And during high worship, uh, just after I got saved. I felt a tremendous urging within me to prophesy. I never prophesied that at that time in my life. And 3,000 young people were there. And I began to prophesy. And I felt such fire on me. You can't believe it. And as I prophesied, it was quiet. And then it, it happened again and again and again. Till the people began to look. When will Benny prophesy? Because it happened so often with me. But I remember it never happened in low moments of worship. It happened after a very high moment of worship. And Mervyn and Mola, God bless him, would let us sing in tongues. And as people began to sing what is called the song of the Lord, as people began to sing in tongues, the prophetic would just come alive. So ministering to the Lord. And we don't know what they were doing at that moment in Acts 13 which took place in Antioch, present-day Syria. But I probably believe they were singing in tongues. They were singing in tongues. You say, why you said it? Because I saw it happen in the 70s. It, not just there, even at Bizak Center or other places. I went to different churches. There was a great move of God those days in Canada. Great move of God. And when people would start singing in tongues, you could feel the vibration of the prophetic beginning to like rise in the air in everywhere. And not just with me, but with other people. We had this, this, the same thing in, in OCC. Larry would remember those days when, when dear Rick Strombach uh, would begin to prophesy during those times when I would let people minister to the Lord in the spirit. Oh, it was so precious. So begin to practice that. Begin to practice in your own, they're going to feel the anointing just saying it, in your own time with the Lord. Just begin to sing in tongues to the Lord and you'll see the glory of God will just begin to arise, you know, and be powerful. Okay, now that is the only gift that has to be judged. We do not judge any other realm except this one. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians 14, and let's look at verse 29, which tells us that this has to be judged. So it says, let the prophets speak two or three, and let the other judge. Now here, let, let's stop here a minute. That doesn't mean you judge someone with the office of a prophet. That's still because you have to put it with the whole chapter. That's still talking about the gift, the gift of prophecy. Because if you look at, at verse 30 and 31, it says, you may all prophesy one by one, that you may learn and may be comforted and so on. But even though it calls people who have the gift of prophecy here, prophets, it doesn't mean the office of a prophet. The office of a prophet is completely different. So people have got to understand there's the office of a prophet, but there are people who prophesy that the Bible calls prophets because they prophesy, they have the gift of prophecy, but we cannot link them with the Isaiahs, the Jeremiahs, the Ezekiels. These are prophets. They have the office of a prophet, or like Agabus, he was a prophet. He was a prophet. But all the church can prophesy. I know this is a kind of tricky point here because it's, it's, it could cause confusion if you don't know the word of God and you cannot see the difference. You see, we cannot, we cannot, uh, understand the Bible by taking one word out or one verse out. It has to fit the picture of scripture. It has to fit the entire Bible. Otherwise, it makes no sense. So, the Bible is most revealing because one portion reveals the other. Like a part in Matthew is revealed in Isaiah, a part in Jeremiah is revealed in Corinthians, you know. It's like a puzzle, but you have to put it together. When you see the Bible, 
You can't just take something and say, oh, see, he's called a prophet. No, 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 no. That is only connected to prophecy. Prophecy, the gift of prophecy. Even though the word is prophets, let the prophets speak. I think it's important sometimes to look at the real def- uh, definition. Because in, in, the, in the Greek, let me just show you what it says in the Greek. In the Greek, it says inspired speaker. Inspired speaker. So the, the King James translator said, said prophet. But in the Greek, it really means more like a foreteller. A foreteller. An inspired speaker. The extension of a poet. That's what in the Greek it says. Or the interpreter of an oracle or interpreter of hidden things. So that is different than the office of the Elijah, the Elisha, the Isaiahs and the Jeremiahs and the Ezekiels and the Hoseas and the Joes, different altogether. I hope you understand that. I hope this helps you because you have to connect it with the totality of Scripture to understand why he calls them prophets. Okay, now, let's move on. Let's talk about the gift of faith. So now we come to the power gifts, the power gifts. Again, when it comes to faith, we have three realms of faith. We have the measure of faith, which comes at salvation. Then we have the fruit of faith which is the growth of the measure. Measure of faith, fruit of faith. That's the growth from the measure. And that happens because we receive the word. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In other words, that I am receiving growth in my faith, and now it becomes fruit. But then you have the gift of faith, and this is what deals this is dealing with. Later on, I'll be teaching on the three realms of faith. I'll also teach on the realms of prophecy some other time. But we're talking now about the gifts, the nine gifts. Uh, Gift number seven, faith. So, it's the God-given ability to believe God for the impossible. To believe God for the invisible to believe God for the incredible. And that is something so powerful because um, it's not the impartation that God gives to the believer at salvation. Let's go to Romans. Let's look at chapter 12. Let's look at verse 3. And it says this, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So here we see every man, every born-again believer, has the measure, the measure of faith. That means the seed of faith. And that, uh, the Bible tells us, let's go to Romans 10. Let's look at verse 17, a very well-known scripture, I'm sure, to every every one of you. So, in verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So it's the word of God that builds that measure within us. And then it becomes fruit. But the gift of faith is different. The gift of faith is miraculous. It's it's connected to signs and wonders, uh, the part of God. The invisible, limitless, the invisible, limitless uh, resource of heaven, basically, is the gift of faith. Because it has no limits. The gift of faith has no limits. Because the gift of faith can move mountains. And the Lord spoke, he said, if you have faith as a, a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, go. That's the gift of faith. Gift, the gift of it. Paul discusses it in First Corinthians. He said, if I have the gift of faith to move mountains, and I lack love, I'm nothing. So, the gift of faith is very, very 
uh, seasonal. It's for a season, it's for a reason. The, the measure of faith is not seasonal. The measure of faith is permanent in your life, my life. And there is a reason for it too, because there's growth. Okay? So the gift of faith, though, comes only for a season, comes for a reason, and then it's, it's uh, removed. I've had that gift operate in my meetings many times. When I began in the healing ministry, I'll never forget, you know, I walked up to a lady, I just, you know, I used to take people's braces right off and crutches away from them and pull them out of wheelchairs and you name it. Well, that's the gift of faith. Or hit people on their back and no pain is gone, you know, all that. The gift of faith. Well, you know, I mean, you, you, you can't do that without God on you in a powerful way where you tell someone, get up out of your wheelchair. In Sacramento, when I was in Sacramento, I saw a girl uh, in, the, in the stadium. And it's, it's on YouTube. You can probably watch it. It'll, it'll, goodness, it'll amaze you. And I see this girl on this stretcher, and the choir was singing Precious Lamb of Glory with Steve Rock. And just the Lord moved on me, and I jumped, literally ran and jumped like Superman off the platform, ran down the aisle, took her and said, get up in Jesus' name, and she jumped and leaped. She didn't just walk, she didn't just move slow. She leaped out of that stretcher, jumping everywhere, came on the platform, the place went electric, you can just imagine. And somebody saw it, some, somebody saw it one time who worked with me, he said, this is riveting. He was just in shock to see that. Paul and Jan Christ told me that was the most favorite thing they ever saw in their life. And they watched it over and over and over and over because it was just so moving because the part of God just is so powerful. But I've seen that in my own life and I can tell you, if you ask me why, I don't know. It's just something that happens. Something comes upon you that you just can't explain to anybody. So this goes further than, you know, just anything else we think about faith. That's the gift of faith. And this gift, uh, like I said, uh, is operational when the anointing is flowing. The gift of faith is operational with the gifts of the miraculous, the gifts of healing, the operations of the gifts of miracles in a powerful way, in a powerful way. So it looks like I'm going to be able to finish all the gifts today. Wow, oh, marvelous. Okay. Now, let's talk about the gifts of healing. The gifts of healing. Okay. I thought this would take me longer, but it looks like I'm done earlier. So on Monday, I'll teach on something different, and then we'll, we'll have a break till the new year. The gifts of healing. This is a part of the Great Commission. In Mark sixteen eighteen, the Lord said, And he that believes, they that believe, they will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. They will be healed. Now let's look at it again. I know you know it by heart. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Wow. Now, sometimes this gift is immediate. Sometimes it is gradual. When you look at Matthew, let's look at Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8 verse 3 talks about immediately. It says, And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, that's the leper, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Immediately. Sometimes, it is gradual. Let's look at John, the Gospel of John. Let's look at chapter 8. Let's look at verse 3. <clears throat> wow. Sorry, sorry. Chapter 4. I was looking at the other scripture. <laughs> okay. Let's go to John. You know, we're not perfect, are we, saints, huh? Okay, so John... When look at chapter 4, chapter 4, 
And we're going to look at verse 52. 52. Okay. That's the other one. And then in, in John 4.52 it says, Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. But here it says he began to amend. Gradual healing. Gradual healing. Matthew 8.3, instantaneous, immediate. John 4.52, gradual. Now, that amazing, what is called gifts of healing, and the reason it's called gifts is, is because there's more than one way that God heals the sick. Uh, the laying on of hands, the spoken word, and the anointing of oil. So there's three ways it comes. So uh, it's through the spoken word, and there's also one more, through the presence of the Lord. So there's really four ways that healings come. So number one, through the spoken word. Matthew 8, 8. You all remember that, don't you? Okay, let's go to Matthew 8 and verse 8. And it says, The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Speak the word. My servant will be healed. So that's one. The other is the laying on of hands. And then, you know, the the anointing of, of oil that is mentioned in James 5.14, which we'll look at that. But let's also look at Luke chapter 5. That's another way God brings healing. Wow. Luke 5, verse 17. It came to pass on a certain day that as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and, uh, and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Wow. That's the presence of the Lord to came to heal. So precious, so precious. Now, <clears throat> there's also what I believe uh, in the shadow of the Lord. You know, the presence of the Lord. So it's so precious. Do you do you recall when when, when the Lord walked into the house of Peter and his mother-in-law was ill, it says he stood over her. He stood over her. And the fever left. So the presence of it, and I think this is what it, it means by in Luke 5, that the power of, of the Lord was present. Wow, marvelous. All right, so let's also look at uh, James 5. James 5. And we'll look at verse 14. And it says, If any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So here we see another way God heals. But let me just talk about something. Uh, and let me also clean up something really quickly. Um, the Bible, it, we just saw it in, in Luke. The power of the Lord was present to heal. And the other portion with when he walked into the house of Peter, he stood over her. His, his shadow covered her. And she was healed. The, 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 where Jesus is, where his presence is, that is power. And I think that's what it means in Luke 5. Jesus was in the room, in the house. And there was power because he physically, his presence physically was there. So when the Lord's presence comes, when we're gathered together, it's as though he's physically there. And his power is automatic now in that room. Now let me say something about healings and miracles before I, uh, I go into the last one, miracles. A healing is when God heals something that has been broken. But a miracle is where God literally brings forth something that wasn't there. Remember I showed you about Paul. When that young man fell uh, from a third floor and he went down and he, was, he took him up dead, it says. Well, that was a miracle because he was raised from the dead. Or you remember the blind man who had no eyes whatsoever. 
and the Lord put mud in his eyes. That was a miracle. So, but the difference between healings and miracles is healing is if the cancer is gone. Healing is when the pain is gone. A miracle is when life comes in. Hallelujah. Let's talk about miracles real quickly. And this uh, does not only uh, it's, uh, it, it does not only uh, happen in the physical realm, but it extends into every part of our Christian life. So it's not just about raising the dead and arms growing out and so on. But it is also the performance of something which is the which is against the law of nature that happens for us in our life. It is it extends to every area of the Christian life, even things to do in our own life. Like think about this: is the new birth healing or a miracle? It's a miracle. Is the baptism of the Holy Spirit a healing? Uh uh-uh, uh, it's a miracle. Deliverance is a miracle. When a demon comes out, it's a miracle. Because there is a force not only driving out the dark and the darkness of sin, it's bringing in the life of Jesus and his light. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. The removal of pain, that's a healing. But when a demon leaves and the Holy Spirit takes over, that's a miracle. Wow. So, uh, these are called notable miracles. And the Bible says in Acts 4, let's go to Acts, and let's look at chapter 4, and let's look at verse 33. So it says, and when, with great power give the apostles witness of the res- resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them all. Great power talks about me, about great miracles. In Acts 3, for example, and verse 2, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they, they carried into the gate. But this man was crippled from birth. Crippled from birth. He did not even have muscles. He, he didn't have the proper physical parts. And God gave him those new bones or muscles in there. That's a miracle, people of God. Uh, Frances Scott, in one of my meetings in Susan Marie, she had no bone in her leg. No bone. When the power of God hit her, bone was created inside that leg. That's a miracle. That's something that wasn't there. See? So let's understand the difference between healings and miracles. Miracles is when something is created, even though we don't see it. All right. And that crippled man, for example, in, in Acts 3, but he did not have any muscles. He didn't have any, probably even some bones missing. We, we don't know. But muscle was created. Something came into his being. Hallelujah. All right. Well, I pray that this has been a blessing to you. And may the Lord use every one of you in the name of Jesus. Lift your hands and receive, Lord, that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate in the lives of every one with me today. Everyone, Lord, listening, everyone watching this class in the name of Jesus, I give you the praise, the honor, the glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. And to Jesus be the praise and the glory. And yes, I pray every gift, every gift will be yours. Ask God daily for the gifts of the Spirit, how we need them, more than ever today. I pray God will anoint you in a mighty way in 2022. And we're going to have a glorious, by the way, New Year's Eve service. Make sure to join me this coming Friday at 9 p.m. for our Good Friday communion healing service on all the platforms. And uh, it's going to be glorious. We, we have a full house already coming. On Friday, it's going to be beautiful. Now, it's time to give to the Lord. Saints, I want to just talk to you for a few moments. And I know I've said this before, but I just want to work with your faith for just a few moments. Just a few moments. Just give me a few moments. Every time we give, we release power through our seed. Every time we sow, 
a supernatural law goes into work. When a farmer sows that seed, the the minute it touches the earth, the ground, something happens. A supernatural force. It's not natural, it's supernatural, even in the natural seed. Because how can a natural seed produce such harvest, such abundance? It is supernatural. Because God spoke into that natural seed, his word. So when you sow, what God said begins to work on your behalf. The, the, the biggest mistake people make is when they hold their seed or eat their seed. I heard something very interesting one day that eating seed actually can harm you uh, in, with your health. Some seeds, if you eat them, they can actually harm you. But when you sow that seed, it'll give you life. So think about eating seed can actually bring harm. And sowing seed can bring blessings and multipl- and multiplication and so much more. Sow your seed today trusting the God of the harvest. Just like he brings the natural harvest in, will bring your harvest in. And every time we give God our money, it becomes seed in his hands. No different than a farmer taking seed, you know, and sowing seed for oranges or apples or other fruit and vegetables. You sow that seed today and say, Father, I thank you that your power will work, your word will work, that you spoke in it already, and the harvest will come. Now let's agree that 2022 will be the best year you've had, financially, the best year ever. Lord, in Jesus' name, everything will be restored. And Lord, I pray it will be the best year ever for each one. The Lord, everything stolen will be returned. Everything lost will come back double and triple. For you said, Lord, you'll bless us, overflowing with blessings. That your people, Lord, what they sow today, will bring a multiplied harvest many times over in the name of Jesus. We give you the praise. Bless them greatly, Lord, as they sow seed, your seed. Amen. All right, you can give right now on the platform you're watching me on, Benin Ministries. Or simply go to our website, benihin.org, or you can text BHM45777 and watch what God will do for you in 2022. A glorious year is on the way. Much love to you. I'll see you again tomorrow. And tell your friends about Friday and help me build my YouTube channel. It's really growing beautifully. To Jesus be the praise. Love you. Bye-bye.